Hello, and welcome to the Forest of the Fae. Here on Pop Culture Fate, we take a look at movies, TV, comics, and other popular media through the lens of the queer folks of society. I am Miller C. Lashbrook, and I am your host on your journey through the Forest of the Fae. This week on Pop Culture Fae, I share my thoughts on Star Wars Tales of the Jedi and my predictions for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I hope you enjoy, but first, Faye News. This is Faye News. In this segment, I will cover this week's big entertainment news that caught my eye. Uh, so, first in Marvel news for the MCU, uh, we got a decent amount of news related to Agatha Coven of Chaos, uh, which is set to begin filming, I believe, in January. So it makes sense that we're getting some casting news, some news about the show. Uh, so we learned that Joe Locke from Heartstopper was cast in the show. <clears throat> and the big guess from fans right now is that as fans have wanted since Heartstopper aired, Joe Locke will be playing <clears throat> the grown-up version of Billy Maximoff or Billy Kaplan, a.k.a. Wiccan. Now, again, that is <clears throat> speculation that has not been proven thus far. We also learned that Aubrey Plaza will be joining the cast of Agatha Coven of Chaos, and reports are saying that the show will be a nine-episode series. <clears throat> we also learned that Yahya Abdul-Mateen was cast as Wonder Man for the upcoming Disney Plus series and for the MCU overall. He's an awesome actor. He's great in Watchmen and in Candyman. So I am, oh, and as Black Manta in Aquaman. So I am quite excited to see him in the role. And uh, I think for most important MCU news, Black Panther Wakanda Forever releases this Friday in theaters. And spoilers are out there online already. The movie premiered, people have seen it. And so be warned. <clears throat> that if you go on the internet this week, you could potentially come across spoilers. And uh, while you can hear me clearing my throat, I do apologize. My voice is a little hoarse. I have been sick. The seasonal colds and flus are out there. I guess we could put that in the Fay news as well. Uh, be warned. Uh, take your vitamin C and... Uh, Make sure you're vaccinated and all that because things are going around. In Sony Marvel news, uh, we've gotten some Spider-Verse news this week. Daniel Kaluuya is set to play, to voice Spider-Punk in Across the Spider-Verse. And there are some rumors, so take that with a grain of salt, uh, but there are some rumors that Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield may do some cameos for Across the Spider-Verse as well. In um, other Marvel news, Marvel and EA uh, 
came to a deal for multiple games, starting with Iron Man, uh, starting with an Iron Man game coming out next year in 2023. In Star Wars news, we got episode nine of Andor. Seems like this back half of the season, episodes seven through 12, will all be one kind of big six episode arc, unlike the uh, first three episodes and then episodes four through six, which were three episode arcs. Rumors have started to arise that we will be getting a short released on November 12th on Disney Plus. Uh, with which will feature Grogu to honor the three-year anniversary of The Mandalorian. That has not been officially announced, but that is a current rumor. And uh, today, we uh, the cast and a synopsis was released for the upcoming show, The Acolyte, that uh, Star Wars is making, which uh, start, started production. So uh, the cast has a lot of great talents, including uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Uh, there's some cast members from Russian Doll. The lead from Squid Game is there. Daphne Keene from Logan. So great cast. And it looks like the show is going to take kind of a mystery thriller approach to the late High Republic era. Uh, it looks like it'll be set around 100 to 50 years before uh, the prequel trilogy. <clears throat> in Disney news, we got another trailer for Disenchanted, and they actually moved up the release date to November 18th. So now it's coming out before uh, the week of Thanksgiving. In general movie news, we got a trailer for Avatar The Way of Water, we also got a new trailer for Netflix's The Glass Onion, which is the sequel to Knives Out. And uh, it was announced that Jimmy Kimmel will be hosting the 2023 Oscars. Um, he'll be okay. He's not my favorite uh, awards show host. He's kind of the vanilla ice cream of awards show hosts, uh, in my personal opinion. Uh, but... Uh, I'm sure he'll do he'll he'll do a good job with it. In TV news, we got a new trailer for the upcoming Willow series for Disney Plus. The Last of Us was announced to be releasing its first episode on January 15th on HBO and HBO Max. Lupita Nyong'o has been cast in a spinoff of A Quiet Place, which will be a streaming series for Paramount Plus. They have renewed Sandman for a second season. Netflix has. It was announced that HBO has canceled Westworld, uh, and will so it will not be returning for a fifth season. And Netflix announced this week uh, that his show, that Ryan Murphy's show, The Watcher, will be getting a second season. And they also announced that. Uh, Dahmer will become an anthology series and is going to get two new seasons, uh, which the whole show will just go under the title of Monster. And uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, just uh, within the last uh, couple hours, was announced to be playing Hermes in Percy Jackson and the Olympians. 
In gaming news, a new Pokemon was revealed for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet this weekend called Gimme Ghoul. He's a little mimic uh, coin-collecting Pokemon that is a ghost type. And then it was also announced today that Scarlet and Violet will be getting a new trailer on Tuesday, November 8th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, possibly by the time you're listening to this podcast, that new trailer will be out. So I'll talk about that next week on the podcast. And lastly, in gaming news, it was announced that there will be a Stranger Things VR game coming winter 2023. So that was all of the kind of entertainment news that caught my eye over the past week. There were a lot of other kind of small announcements, a lot going on with Twitter being taken over by Elon Musk officially. (coughs) But uh, most importantly, I want to kind of wrap up the Faye news here by saying that uh, if you are listening to this on either November 7th or November 8th, and you live in the United States, please make sure that you go and do your civic duty of casting your vote in the midterm elections. Elections are always important, and uh, I feel like people oftentimes forget how important the midterm elections can be. So make sure to exercise your civic duty uh, and go vote, please. But that concludes uh, Faye News. Next up, we'll talk Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. Alrighty. Um, So let's talk Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. this show was announced back at Star Wars Celebration earlier this year. It was announced that it was going to be an anthology series. They were going to be uh, shorts, essentially, and that it was going to be in the Clone Wars animation style. So I think a lot of people were like, oh... Okay, this show is going to fill in some gaps, uh, probably around the prequel era, based on what based on what they showed and everything. And then when we got a trailer, it looked like it was primarily going to focus on Ahsoka and Dooku, and that's what we got. So we got six episodes. Each one is about ten to fifteen minutes, and uh, episodes one, five, and six focus on Ahsoka as a character, and episodes. Two, three, and four all focus on Dooku. I enjoyed all six episodes for different reasons. I, but, and I think someone could probably watch each of these on their own. But I mean, if you've got the time, I, it's not that long to watch all six at once. I would just watch them all in one sitting. The, the two characters that we focus on are both wonderful characters. I mean, Ahsoka, we get so much development from over the course of all of Clone Wars, um, including the movie, plus uh, her time in Rebels and her appearance on The Mandalorian. And she's popped up 
in some of the novels and graph and uh, graphic literature, the comics. But Dooku, other than some novels that have been released in the new canon, Dooku still remains a <laughs> an enigma to um, a lot of audiences, especially if they again have not read any of those uh, canon novels that they've released around Dooku. So if, if an audience member has only seen the visual, um, the the movie and TV content, uh, they wouldn't know too much about Dooku. Even if they've seen Clone Wars, which he's featured in a lot, these three episodes that feature Dooku, though, do so much for him as a character. Which, I mean, he was played by Christopher Lee in the prequels. So, in terms of need for them to add to Dooku's character, I mean, he's already an awesome character just because of Christopher Lee's performance. But these episodes tell us so much more about Dooku as a character and his motivations that it really does a lot to help us to understand him and his motivations and his decisions that we see play out in episodes two and three. Also, it just fills in some answers of the timeline of the prequels uh, that I think a lot of fans have been wondering about for a while. The Ahsoka episodes feel less necessary, especially um, episode one and episode five, but they too um, just show us a lot about her as a character. I think of all six episodes, episode five, the uh, which focuses on training with Ahsoka is maybe the weakest of the bunch, but I still think... Um, the episode tells us a little bit more about her as a character and it shows us some about her and Anakin's relationship too, and kind of frames some later moments in an interesting way. Episode one of this show is just beautiful. Even if some fans online have said that it feels unnecessary it is just a beautiful piece of artwork and definitely stems from the history of Star Wars in terms of the influence of the Western and um, the samurai movies as genres on Star Wars as a brand. And then episode six of this show it's just awesome. Um, I I did not watch any of I did not watch these episodes right away when they aired last Wednesday because there's just been a lot going on. Uh, but the when I did sit down to watch these, I had already seen some things about the final episode. But I was so glad to see that what I had seen was really only from the first minute or two of, of the sixth episode. Because it definitely pleasantly surprised me. Um, 
for those that don't know, the final episode of this season of Tales of the Jedi, most of the episodes, so everything after the title pops up, is content um, that uh, is a story that was explored in E.K. Johnston's Ahsoka novel, which I read uh, a couple years back when it came out. I listened to the audiobook, which was narrated by Ashley Eckstein. So it's awesome. Uh, if you've never listened to any of the audiobooks for the Star Wars novels, I definitely recommend it. Most of them have full voice casts, or at the very least, they have a narrator who is perfect for that project. A lot of times they'll take the uh, actors from the animated Star Wars content and use those in the audiobook projects. And they also tend to include the music from the movies and TV shows, as well as uh, sound effects like lightsabers and ship noises and all that. So it's it almost turns the audiobooks into more of an audio drama in a way uh, because they bring in all those extra things like the music and the sound effects, which really enhance the experience. So if you're going to read a, um, a Star Wars book and you're an audiobook person, I highly recommend uh, doing that for, for the books. And this one in particular, because Ashley Eckstein narrates it as Ahsoka, it, it feels like an extended kind of episode of the Clone Wars. And so to, for this show to then show us moments from that book. Now, we don't get the whole book in this episode because the episode's only about uh, like 12 or 13 minutes without the credits. But we get a lot of the key moments from that book visualized. And it was just really cool to see it brought to life. Um, for sure. So now I'm, I'm going to go into more kind of spoiler territory for the rest of this discussion. So uh, if you don't want to hear spoilers for these episodes, go ahead and pause, go watch uh, that and, and come back here to hear to hear my thoughts. Okay, you're gone. If you don't want spoilers, Okay. Wow. This show, I think when we get, when, whenever shorts are released, they can go either way. Shorts are either, either feel very much centered or targeted rather for a younger audience. Uh, I think a lot of the Pixar shorts that they've released on Disney Plus are that way. I think a lot of people felt that way about I Am Groot, the um, series of shorts that Marvel Studios released in August. But the other side of shorts, which a lot of the Pixar shorts that have gone in front of the movies have been this way. Um, the other side of that is that these are adult animated projects meant for or they're animated projects meant for adults, rather. And that's what this show feels like. This show is not a series of Star Wars shorts for little kids. This is a series of Star Wars shorts for adults to enhance their experience as Star Wars fans. The fact that we 
see moments from the prequels reimagined from different perspectives uh or we get some darker moments from characters is is just really cool um the first episode is just a beautiful work of art showing uh ahsoka as a baby using her force powers for the first time seeing what the Togruta home planet is like and is is really cool to see the three dooku episodes are so dark and explore a lot of themes around corruption uh and tell us a lot about the ground level experience of how people were impacted by the neglect of the republic and really shows us some key events that led to Dooku ultimately leaving the Jedi Order and becoming a separatist. Uh, it, it perfectly shows us that evolution from Jedi who trained Qui-Gon all the way to being an apprentice of Sidious. I also love the details and this isn't surprising if you know Palpatine as a character, but I love that we get details of, around the timeline of his um, of his apprentices more in this in this series. Episode four of Tales of the Jedi takes place concurrently with the Phantom Menace, and so seeing that literally hours after um, Qui-Gon has been murdered by Maul and Maul was defeated by Obi-Wan that Sidious is like, hey, I've been working with you, Dooku. You ready to become my apprentice? Also getting an explanation for what happened to Yaddle is awesome. Why she's only in episode one, we get that explanation that Dooku killed her and defeated her in battle. She tried to stop him from turning to the dark side. It was a really cool way to kind of tie up an open plot thread while also tying up another open plot thread at the same time and tying it all into the, the larger uh, narrative of Star Wars. Episode five, like I said, um, it's okay. It gives us some more character moments for Ahsoka and Anakin. But episode six, wow. Seeing that Ahsoka went to Padme's funeral, even though she knew it was dangerous, but because she wanted to be able to see her friend one last time is amazing also getting to see her time as ashla from her novel realized visually getting to see her defeat an inquisitor uh was really awesome as well i think the and before before i say what i was about to say um also getting 
this uh, look at her seeing how the empire really impacts the everyday people uh, on that planet, which the book definitely explores, really tells us a lot about why she ends up doing what she does in Rebels, which I really like. Uh, I think if I'd added anything, and I know the episodes were super short, so they couldn't do everything from the book in that final episode. But if I could have added anything uh, on a wish list, it would have been to see her uh, cleansing the red kyber crystals and creating her white lightsabers from that Inquisitor's saber, as they talk about in the book. I think that would have been really cool to see animated. But yeah, um, overall, I really liked this. I'm excited to see what they do with this show going forward what other stories we can see from this series of shorts what other jedi we can get a look at maybe and the fact that we get a book turned into animation gives me hope that maybe with this show we could get something like the dark disciple visualized uh in animation because i love that book and i would love to see that uh, brought to life on on the screen since it was originally intended to be a series of Clone Wars episodes. So uh, yeah, I loved it. Great work. Next up, I'm going to share some predictions for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Alrighty, so I wanted to, on this episode, take some time like I've done in the past with Thor Love and Thunder, and I believe I did it with um, She-Hulk, at least on the blog. I don't know if I had it as a podcast episode, but I wanted to take some time to put out into the universe some predictions for Black Panther Wakanda Forever so that they are recorded and on the internet and I can hold myself accountable for things that probably won't come true <laughs> for Black Panther Wakanda forever. So there's these are in no particular order and are just kind of my off-the-top-of-my-head predictions. Time of recording, this is Monday, November 7th. I have not seen the movie and also in terms of my knowledge, I have thus far avoided any leaks. Knock on wood. Hopefully, I will be able to still say that before I see the movie on Thursday. And I have also not watched any clips released online and or any of the TV spots. I have only seen the teaser trailer and the official trailer that were released uh i i kind of stopped i'm trying to think what movie kind of ruined that for me because i used to watch every clip released online all of that i've never liked looking at leaks or anything for the marvel movies but I think it was really multiverse of madness. I thought the the ad the advertising campaign just showed way too much up about the movie and 
I really, I really like Multiverse of Madness, but I, after seeing it, I feel like I knew too much going into it. Uh, and so with Love and Thunder and with uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I've tried to only do like the main trailers and that's it. No TV spots, no clips released from on Good Morning America, none of it. So uh, let that paint a picture of where my brain's at with everything. Um, <laughs> I will first start with my pie-in-the-sky wish for the movie, but I don't at all think that this will actually happen. And that would be uh, some sort of mutant reference in the movie. Like I said, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's kind of my wish. Definitely don't think we're going to see Storm in this movie. That would be awesome, but I don't think we're going to see her in this movie. Uh, I think that could have been a possibility before Chadwick Boseman's passing, setting up that storyline, introducing her as a new mutant to the MCU, and setting up their romance with each other. But I would imagine that those rumors that were circulating a while ago got cut when this script got edited uh, after the passing of Chadwick Boseman. If, if there is any other possible reference to mutants, it might come through Namor, since in the comics he is uh, considered a mutant sometimes. <laughs> that It's always like questionable whether or not he's considered a mutant. He doesn't really... He, has had few and far in between uh, connections to the X-Men. Really, the two big ones off the top of my head are the he was involved in the Avengers versus X-Men storyline in the comics as one of the Phoenix Five. And then he is part of, he's tangentially part of Gene's X-Men Red team in that comic, which is quite good. Uh, if you're, you're looking for a Jean Grey-led X-Men book, I highly recommend X-Men Red. But other than that, he doesn't have a lot of big storylines that him being a mutant is relevant to. It's kind of just a thing about him uh, that people say. And uh, he is called Marvel's first mutant. I guess in terms of publication, he would be. Um, but I definitely timeline-wise, he is not the first mutant uh, in the canon timeline of the Marvel comics uh, whatsoever. That is usually either credited to En Sabanur, aka Apocalypse, or um, Selene, the uh, external. So, in terms of genuine predictions, not just wishes for this movie, I think the most obvious prediction to make for Wakanda Forever is that the storyline is really going to be one of succession and a question of what does, in similar ways to the original, what does a country do? when they lose their sovereign but also how does the world react when a country loses its sovereign especially when it's not expected 
think you get this sense um, in the original Black Panther film that T'Chaka was getting older, and while they weren't necessarily expecting him to die when he did, uh, that his death was seen as an inevitability by Wakanda. Uh, Ramonda makes an, makes a comment in the original Black Panther film that she and T'Chaka had talked about the day that T'Challa became king for years. So that, that line tells me that even though nobody wanted T'Chaka to die um, for personal like reasons, but also because uh, with him as the ruler, that this was something that the people of Wakanda and especially the royal family knew was going to come at some point soon. But T'Challa, regardless of how they have him pass away, uh, was prob it was probably not on Wakanda's radar for him to die anytime soon, much like how it wasn't expected for fans for Chadwick Boseman to pass away. And so I think the idea, uh, the exploring that idea of grief and how it differs when it's unexpected um, can affect a nation externally and internally, I think will definitely be explored. Another prediction that I'm going to make is that Namor becomes a fan favorite character. He has his fans in the comics, and he is definitely a compelling anti-hero or villain at times. He, in the specifically for me, my favorite storyline that he's involved with that I've read is the Time Runs Out story in um, Jonathan Hickman's New Avengers comics where he's part of the Illuminati and he and T'Challa are at odds with one another constantly. I think that's a great Namor storyline, but I wouldn't say that he's ever been a fan favorite character of mine. Now I know he does have his fans for sure in the comics, but with the way that we've seen in the trailers that Tenacuerta has portrayed Namor and the, the way that they've reimagined the character uh, for the 21st century, for the 2020s, um, bringing in Tenacuerta's uh, Mexican heritage into Namor and the um, people of the ocean, whatever. I think Talocan is what they, what the advertising has said there calling Atlantis in this movie to not confuse it with Aquaman, I believe. Um, the The way that they've brought th this and adapted it to the screen while also including the like comic book accurate elements of like the silly like little green shorts and the wings on the feet. Kevin Feige with the MCU oftentimes has these like ways, this way of 
adapting things from the comics that are that have the right touches to make it feel like it leapt off the page, but while also adapting and enhancing it and breathing new life into it and bringing new people to it that weren't there already, that didn't quite get it in the comics or had never met the character in the comics or didn't read the comics. I think um, we've seen this time and time again. I think Scott Lang Ant-Man is a great example of that. I think the way that uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy were realized in the MCU is a great example of that. Uh, even the fact that like the Avengers became the A-team <laughs> when in the comics they were like the C-team uh, before the movies. Feige has this way of getting it right and doing it in a new way. I don't want to say doing it better, but doing it in a new way at the same time. And I think the trailers have shown us that he's already doing that with with Namor and with the uh, Talokan people. I don't want to say Atlanteans because I they're I don't I don't think they're going to call them Atlanteans uh, in the movie. And uh, it, it, it's just really cool. I mean, we're already, we already saw <laughs> on Halloween last week that tons of um, like people of uh, Mexican descent or uh, just like Hispanic folks in general were already dressing up as Namor before the movie has even come out. And so I, I think he's going to be quickly become a fan favorite character. If anything, phase four has been the phase of creating, um, it, creating fan favorite characters between Moon Knight, uh, between Agatha uh, and, like <laughs> Madison from She-Hulk, right? The yeah, phase four has had its faults, but it has definitely done a great job of giving us some wonderful characters to uh, look forward to seeing again in the MCU, for sure. So yeah, Namor becoming a fan favorite character, <coughs> definitely another prediction of mine. Um. Another prediction of mine is that maybe we're going to see the mantle is in question. The mantle of the Black Panther specifically. I don't know what the details of that may be. Um, and again, this is all speculation, so I don't, I don't know if this is the case. Maybe for sure he is a character she will question whether or not she can do both um, in terms of ruling Wakanda and being a superhero. Maybe the nation will question those things. Maybe the world will question those things. Because obviously in terms of normal succession rules, Shuri would be the natural uh next ruler of wakanda and black panther but i think what a lot of people are failing to kind of think about as a big question mark in this is we don't know what wakanda looked like during the blip during the five years of endgame because 
we we know based on Endgame and who they showed that had been blipped away that both T'Challa and Shuri were dusted. The only hint that we get of like what's going on with Akonda is that Okoye is working with Nat, presumably as an Avenger, uh, to protect the world during the events of Endgame. And then we see T'Challa and Shuri again at the end of the film um, in the portals moment, in the big battle, and then we see them again with Queen Ramonda uh, at the very end when things are going back to quote-unquote normal. But we still don't know the details of what Wakanda was like during those five years, who was in power, whether or not there was a question of who was in power. There, there was a lot up in the air. Like we know that, like I said, that Okoye survived. We know that Mbaku survived the snap. Uh, we don't know what happened to Nakia during the snap, whether she went away or stayed. And we know that, I believe we know that Ramonda survived, or it's been hinted at. Maybe we don't know for sure that she survived the snap. And so maybe Queen Ramonda ruled in their stead. Maybe someone um, challenged for the throne since there were no heirs left. Maybe M'Baku was on the throne. Maybe Okoye was sort of like sitting on the throne in in their stead. Who knows? Because the people of the world had no reason to believe that the people who dusted were coming back, right? So it's not like it would make sense for there to just be a person holding their place because nobody knew that it was going to get undone, right? So whatever happened during the blip, I could definitely see causing problems for the succession, right? Maybe with T'Challa's death, the person who was ruling during the blip is now at odds with Shuri since Shuri is there now to take the throne. Um, it would de- it's, it'll definitely be an interesting aspect of the whole puzzle to kind of explore with this movie. So the blip being a part of the issue and the problem of the succession, I think is what I'm trying to say is my next prediction. Um, another prediction that I have, and this is just the next one that came off the top of my head, I definitely think we're <laughs> going to get an amazing score again. I mean... Uh, Ludwig Gornson's work on the original Black Panther film is amazing, Oscar-winning score. Uh, it, his work is astonishing. He's done great work with Star Wars since, with The Mandalorian, helping with uh, the score for The Book of Boba Fett. And uh, he he's just... Uh, and his work that he's done with Childish Gambino... Uh, on like this is America, he's awesome, and so I'm I'm so happy that he's going to be back in the MCU with this movie, and I hope that it's going to be just as great as the original score. I love the themes that he established in the original Black Panther film, um, and I can't wait to hear 
how he builds on that work in this film as well. Uh, I definitely hope that we get more world building of Wakanda. And I would venture to guess that we get world building too with Namor's um, nation and learning about like where these people came from, how they adapted to become underwater folk. Why is Namor different? Like, why does he have the feathered wing feet uh, and he isn't blue like all of his other people? So there's a lot of really cool world building that could happen there as well. Um, and I think my final prediction is just that this is going to feel like a very different movie from anything that the MCU has created thus far. I think it'll feel a lot like the original Black Panther for sure. I mean, we've got the same director, same uh, composer, much of the same cast. So obviously there will be a sameness to that. But I think narratively this movie is going to be so different from anything that we've gotten thus far in the MCU. And uh, I'm just kind of excited to see what happens. Um, I'm trying to go in with obviously hopeful expectations that it's going to be good. And I love the original Black Panther, so I hope it's just as good. But I'm trying to just go in and just let myself experience the movie. And I'd recommend that everybody just do the same. Um, try not to go in with expectations about how they're going to handle Chadwick's passing, whether or not they're going to include all these extra MCU things. I don't think this is going to be an Easter egg fest or uh, like universe breaking movie. I think this is very much going to be a time for us as fans and to really sit in the legacy of Chadwick Boseman in the best of ways. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm excited to see the movie and, uh, I'll definitely be sharing my thoughts next week on the podcast. So thank you for listening to those predictions. Hopefully they all come true, but obviously the, uh, the mutant thing is definitely a wish more than it is a prediction. Alrighty, it is time for the segment that I lovingly call Borishige. In this segment of Pop Culture Fay, I discuss how our weekly topic speaks to the queer condition. This week, Tales of the Jedi. But is she gay? Uh, yeah? Question mark? <laughs> I, I mean, no, there's no explicit queerness in uh, Tales of the Jedi, but <laughs> much like the final season of the Clone Wars has some lesbian vibes with Ahsoka, <laughs> especially in the, the middle arc of the, of the season. And much like the Ahsoka book that E.K. Johnston wrote, which the final episode of 
this Tales of the Jedi season is based on. There's some gay vibes going on with Ahsoka. <laughs> I feel like um, a lot of queer fans of Star Wars have always kind of gotten those vibes. I mean, the friendship with Barriss Offee in the Clone Wars has some kind of lesbian vibes. Um, we have in live action Ahsoka played by an openly bisexual woman, Rosario Dawson. And so there's just Ahsoka just gives like queer lady vibes and I'm I'm here for it. Um there's definitely some subtle hints at some percolating romance in the Ahsoka novel that the this episode um doesn't really go into uh, but it has her friendship with um i can't remember the girl's name with it it shows her friendship with uh the girl on the planet that where they're farming and everything uh and that's much more explored in the book and in the book there's a lot of like internal monologue that feels like it's hinting at some percolating romance between the two characters um but as with a lot of Star Wars content, because Jedi are not supposed to have romances and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of here at least null and void. Now, Ahsoka, not a Jedi anymore, right? She left the Order in uh, Clone Wars Season 5, in the finale of Season 5. And so while she's out in the world, Grey jedi uh, in between episodes three and four or during the time of the original trilogy or maybe even as an adult in the era of the Mandalorian maybe we could see her living her best lesbian life uh, but this show uh, just has those vibes it doesn't explicitly say anything so is Tales of the Jedi <laughs> Tales of the Jedi but is she gay? maybe? eh Sure, the head cannons there if you want it. <laughs> for my weekly recommendations for this week, my reading recommendation, of course, is going to be to read the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's very much kind of a slow burn Jedi in hiding kind of story, like a lot. I would I would compare it similar to the first couple episodes of Obi Wan, in that way. And if you have watched Tales of the Jedi and you've seen that final episode, that's going to kind of give you an idea of like what to expect. A lot of tension of Ahsoka hiding her abilities as a Jedi, uh, getting to know ground level Empire era on some planets where the Empire's presence is sort of there, but not really. Inquisitors, all that. Yeah, it's fun. Definitely recommend reading it. And like I said earlier in my discussion of Tales of the Jedi, if you are going to read this book, I definitely recommend giving the audiobook a try because Ashley Eckstein, who voices Ahsoka in the animated projects for Star Wars, does the audiobook for the Ahsoka novel. For my TV recommendation for this week, it is going to be related to Black Panther. Kind of forever coming out later this week and that is to 
rewatch or watch for the first time if you haven't watched it yet, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now you might be saying, Miller, how is this related to Black Panther? And that is because of the Dora Milaje's presence in the series. Wakanda pops up a couple times in the series. And really, I mean, if you're doing a Black Panther rewatch of the MCU, if you're including Civil War in there, naturally, (laughs) and, and then you go and watch Black Panther, Infinity War, and Endgame, if you've got the time, you might as well add on this at the end because this really, perf- the show Falcon and the Winter Soldier perfectly builds off of what's established in Civil War uh, and Infinity War and Endgame. And there is the presence of the Dora Milaje in there. So um, that's my TV recommendation for this week. And if you haven't watched the series, definitely go watch it. It's a great MCU show. And then... My film recommendation for this week, of course, is to go rewatch the original Black Panther. It is a masterpiece of a movie with an amazing, beautiful score, wonderful cast, uh, great MCU movie, uh, picture perfect representation of Phase Three. Uh, definitely go rewatch the original Black Panther for sure. And that concludes my weekly recommendations for this week. Alrighty, thank you for joining me today in discussing Tales of the Jedi and my predictions for Black Panther, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I'm sorry, I still got a little bit of the sick brain going on. If you are listening and enjoying the podcast, please give it a review on your podcasting platform. If you leave a question in a five-star review, I will answer it next week on the podcast. Also, if you have a friend who would like the podcast, make sure to share it with them to help grow our little community here. Once again, I am Miller C. Lashbrook. You can find me on Twitter at Mill C. Lashbrook, on Instagram at Miller C. Lashbrook, And for more Pop Culture Fae, you can head to our website, popculturefae.com, for blog posts and more content. If you would like to leave a voice message for the podcast or financially support the podcast, you can do so by going to anchor.fm slash popculturefae. Lastly, I hope that you all have a fantastic day. I hope you are able to avoid the various <coughs> sicknesses that cough was not on purpose I hope that you're able to avoid the various sicknesses going around and uh, if you are in Florida stay safe from subtropical storm Nicole or Hurricane Nicole that is uh, potentially probably going to hit the state of Florida and lastly I hope to find you the next time you wander into the forest of pop culture fame.